Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Doug Woodward reveals the details on a plot that goes back over 100 years. And Marvin McIlvaney will look at all the fears surrounding global warming in today's Bible in the News report. On the radio, online, through podcast, and our mobile app, we help bring sense to all the nonsense. Each day, bringing clarity to the chaos. You support Watchmen on the Wall when you pray for us, when you call us or visit our website. When you purchase one of our resources, you are standing with us in our almost 90-year mission to proclaim the truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Please visit swrc.com or give us a call 1-800-652-1144. Have the giants of Genesis 6 returned to earth? Are fallen angels today corrupting human DNA? Doug Woodward is here to share the details on the corrupt plan to transform humans into gods. Transforming Humanity into Gods. And this is a DVD that we have put together by S. Douglas Woodward. This is about Nephilim, fallen angels, and the modern conspiracy to remake humanity into Lucifer's image. Douglas, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. It's good to be here with you once again, Larry. I always enjoy it. You know, you're such a nice guy. You're a family man and everything, and you deal with some really weird stuff. I do. I don't know why. I'm curious. I can't help myself. I discover these things, and I think, well, somebody needs to bring these things out. And so, you know, I think that's kind of what the Lord has called me to do, is to dig into some of these really strange areas. You know, when I first heard of Tom Horn, and I listened to some of his stuff, I said, this guy's really out in orbit, but he's a gentle, (laughs) sweet man who raises ponies for kids who have been abused. Right. So I think you and Tom are very very similar, because you (laughs) want to connect the dots, you want Mm -hmm. to deal with the things that are really influencing us today. So, Douglas, tell us about man's quest to become as gods. What about how science and technology has helped us. I mean, we can do open heart surgery, brain surgery. Uh, It's unbelievable. So, I mean, if I were not a Christian, I would think, yeah, we must be gods. Look at what we're doing. Of course, we're going to destroy ourselves. Well, no question there's a quest for immortality. And whether it's surgery, DNA, splicing, putting little robots, you know, nanotechnology or chips in our brains that connect to the Internet, you know, all these things to increase the power of the human mind, longevity, etc. You know, all that's kind of a modern quest to become as gods. But, you know, the story for us as Christians, we kind of know where it began. It began all the way back in the Garden of Eden. The snake talking to Eve, you know, basically said, oh, you know, you shall not surely die, but you shall be as gods. And so I jokingly say that it really wasn't a culinary issue of how good did the apple taste. It was all about how can I become powerful, sit at the table with the angels, with God. And so I developed these things in a couple of books called Power Quest, parts one and two. And that's kind of where these DVDs come from. And it begins all the way back there. You see that develop all the way up to the Nephilim, the incursion of angels, Genesis 6-4 creating demigods, men of renown, as Moses calls them in Genesis 6-4. That was a plan to 
make humankind, sort of alter it to be hybrids. Right, and don't other cultures have the same thing? So there's yes. got to be something within yes. our DNA. We want to find yeah. this, and we want this to happen. Yeah, Not this, this tradition, you see this in Mesopotamia, yes. in the, the seven sages, the Apkalu, they were these hybrids. You certainly see that just in classic mythology of all of the gods, whether it was Apollo or Aphrodite or whoever, you know. So you always have these sort of demigods that are half human, half god. And I think that's always been what I call it's a power quest. And it's been there ever since, you know, it's as old as Adam and Eve. Of course, as we begin to get into, oh, I'd say the 18th, 19th century in America, one of the theses that I have is America has really been the best home for spiritualism, mysticism, the marriage of occult spiritualism with this human quest to become more than we are. And we saw that many ways in, you know, in sort of early America history with the development of masonry, Mormonism, all these things really were sort of in that vein. It ultimately comes into the late 19th century, 20th century with a lot of the mystical writings written by uh, Helena Petrovna Blavatsky and Theosophy. You see it with sort of the counterpoint of that with Rudolf Steiner and Anthroposophy in Europe. And ultimately, you see it with Arianism, the purification of the races that the Nazis tried to do. But few people realize that America actually led the Nazis in many ways regarding this purification of the races. Now, we didn't call them Aryans. We called them Nordics. But they were the pure, blonde-haired, blue-eyed people that we should strive to be again. Well, wasn't that the eugenics movement? I it, mean, we it got, absolutely was. We have people in our country. We shouldn't allow them to reproduce. They're yep. bad. Yeah, well, I used to work for Microsoft, used to work for a guy named Bill Gates. His father was a well-known eugenicist, supporter of Planned Parenthood. Many people say that Bill has wanted to use vaccines as a way of culling the races and bringing population control into place. There's always been that activity. But yes, the eugenicists back in, in the turn of the century, in the early 1900s, Rockefeller, Carnegie, they had these elites that were funding eugenicism. They created this institution out on Long Island. I always say Long Island. Cold Stream Harbor, it was called, with, with Davenport and other gentlemen. And it was what they were about. They were about trying to figure out how do we stop the feeble-minded, as they called them. And so ultimately it led to laws that sterilized over 30,000 Americans because they were considered inferior and even Oliver Wendell Holmes, in one of his judgments, decided that something like four generations of imbeciles is enough. It's time we do something about it. <laughs> well, you know, we have the uh, deep magic of Crowley, encounters with otherworldly beings, initiation rites. Isn't that kind of the way we're going to achieve godhood or godhead? It's certainly been a part of the world religions to sort of yeah. get us to you know be above, whether you go to Gnosticism and ancient Gnosticism, which was really the battle that Christianity at its outset fought, was about how do we free ourselves from our bodies that are not just sinful but evil. 
the creation in, in the Gnostic mind was not good. It was bad. Right. And we had to free ourselves from that. And so that was making ourselves God by freeing ourselves from our bodies. You know, it goes back to there, but certainly in, in the modern day, you get into Crowley, Aleister Crowley, around the turn of the century, and you're finding here's someone that creates this thing called the Thelema or Themala, that those laws, which are basically laws of freedom and chaos, lawlessness, really. And that's believed to be sort of part of freeing humankind. I have to mention Frederick Nietzsche and the Ubermensch. Mm. Ubermensch, the the Superman. The Superman. Of course, that's right at that, which was Nietzsche's idea was that the concept of God is dead. God is dead. He's no longer relevant. And so we need to free ourselves from that and create a new man, a brave new man that is willing to create his new morals, new rules for himself apart from the Bible. That's where we are today. I oh, mean, yeah. The fact that if somebody is born male, but they say, I think I'm really a girl. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll take care of that. We'll no get worries. Taxpayers to pay for the puberty sure. blockers and everything. So we're still stuck in the same hole. Yeah. We're still fighting against ourselves in some respects. And whether that's evil or it's whether it's unfortunate is probably another discussion unto itself. But still, it's absolutely the case. These things are things we wouldn't have thought of 20, 25 years ago. And yet now, America's leading the way once again in this crazy wokeness and all of these ideas. And they're basically destroying democracy for most of the people, for the half of 1% that have these peculiarities. Right. And I'm thinking of... If you go back to the Bible where it says Nimrod, okay, mm-hmm. became great over all the world. So it, this goes way back, and, and we see this always not helping but destroying. And then we go to the Tower of Babel or Babel. Tell us about that because yeah, I think they wanted to make a name for themselves. That's right. The Tower of Babel was the human beings were getting together, and they were basically saying, well, we've been destroyed by this flood. We're not going to let that happen again. We're going to build a tower that reaches into heaven so that we won't drown. Right, So we're going to do that. And also, by the way, we're going to build that tower up so that we can shoot arrows at God and try to kill God, which, of course, is what the book of Jasher talks about, not what the Bible talks about. But the Tower of Babel, the Bible talks about. And the question is, what were they really trying to do? It really was that they were trying to free themselves from some of their humanity and become more like God's. And yes, Nimrod is talked about as someone who became a mighty one, It appears that he became like the giants, like the Nephilim. And how that transformation happened, we're not sure. But ultimately, you know, Nimrod and his quality of whatever he was, you know, gives rise to Gilgamesh and some of these other legends of Mesopotamia. So, you know, this too is all part of this power quest, as I call it. Right. We're visiting with S. Douglas Woodward. We have his video to offer you. It's titled, Transforming Humanity into God's Nephilim, Fallen Angels, and the Modern Conspiracy to Remake Humanity into Lucifer's Image. So if we're going to remake humanity, mm-hmm. the basic idea behind that is, well, God made a mistake. we got to right. fix where he's messed up. That's and right. I think, once again, that's the same idea. Ye shall be as gods. Don't listen to God. You're going to be like him. I guess in this view, the God of the Bible is trying to keep us down. In other words, his motive is not to help us, but it's to keep us down so he can be the head man on top of the mountain. Yeah, that's certainly, if you get into sort of the writings of Freemasonry and talking about, I think it was Albert Pike talking about 
Lucifer versus Adonai, that Adonai was evil and wanted to keep man pushed down, and Lucifer wanted to enlighten us and free us. So yes, that's very much at the heart of what I'm talking about. As we get into today's world, we get into this whole issue of alien encounters, alien abductions. A lot of the people worry that they're evil and they want to harm us, but many others see them as, well, they're our saviors. You know, they're going to teach us not to blow each other up with atomic bombs and that they're very much trying to keep us from doing that. And they're there to enlighten us and to take us to the next level of human evolution. So you hear that phrase a lot, like a Dr. Stephen Greer who means well, but that is sort of his theory. I call it the gospel of E.T., It's that the extraterrestrials are here to help us, and they want to save us. And I can't help but think of an old episode of The Twilight Zone where these ETs land on the the lawn of the White House, and everybody thinks it's great, and they're all getting loaded up into the spaceship, and they're flying to the alien's planet, only to find out, but lo and behold, they were being sent up there as food for the aliens. Yeah. But what about Zechariah Stitchin and Eric Von Daniken? These are names that rattle around in my head, and you talk about them on your uh, DVD. Right, right. Absolutely. Van Dyneken certainly believed that a lot of the gods of Mesopotamia, Enlil and El and so forth, that these were aliens that came to Earth, oh, perhaps, uh, what, 100,000, 200,000 years ago, and they transformed these um, sort of hominid, ape-like beings into slaves to mine gold for the aliens because they needed gold for the atmosphere of their planet, and the Earth had much gold. And so that's the the Zacharias-Sitchin theology, the battle between Inki and El and so forth, very much of the story of we want to free ourselves from the bad god and become like a god ourselves. And so Sitchin was very much that way. Chariots of the God, Eric Van Dyneken, probably kind of the center figure in turning us back to pay attention to ancient aliens, which, of course, is on TV now nonstop. There's more people in, in some respects that believe that God is from outer space and that we're not really of God himself. We're of these aliens. And, of course, God has a plan for us to become godlike. You know, we are to partake of the divine nature. That's what Peter says in, in uh, First and Second Peter. Paul certainly talks about that in Romans 8. We are to become like God. That is the promise. Jesus Christ, we don't know what we shall be, but we know we shall be like him. So there is a plan. God doesn't want to push us down. He wants us to be elevated and become partakers of the divine nature. Well, you talk on the video about firsthand accounts from witnesses claiming superhuman forces are tampering with humanity's genetic code. Mm. There's a lot of things going on today, starting with Dolly, gene splicing, and supposedly it's all good. We're going to get better and better. Who's doing the tampering and what's their goal in all of this tampering? Well, certainly this is the DNA and splicing technologies. It's amazing how far back this really goes. And a lot of it came out of the work that the Nazis were doing trying to perfect the human race, the Ubermensch. It's amazing all the work that's been done in this area. And the question, of course, is have we ever really cloned humans? Some say that, yeah, we already have cloned humans, and that's been around for quite some time. Jumping to a slightly different idea, there's a professor, a gentleman named Dr. David Jacobs, and he's done extensive studies on abduction, believes that the aliens walk amongst us and that their attempt is to recreate the human race sort of in their image. 
And so he's done hundreds of interviews with abductees, and that is what he's saying. Right. And haven't there been some sexual experiments? Oh, yeah. That's that's what I'm thinking. Because, yeah, okay, well, wow, maybe this fits. Yeah, well, all of these abductions, they talk in terms of their experiences typically being somewhat sexual in nature. Right. That the aliens take out eggs from women. They take out semen from men. Most people won't believe this, but there's already organizations supposedly composed of children of aliens that they get together as groups. They all believe that they are not human, that they're partially human, but partially alien. And this has already happened. It's been out there now for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Right. I mean, it's... So tell us about the gospel. I mean, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm just thinking... I know some friends in California, they're real witnesses. They go out to the beaches and they tell people about Jesus. What does Jesus have to offer us in this confusing world? Right. Well, uh, yeah, I think some sanity, some stability, Amen. Uh, some peace, some joy. I think all of those things. But I think that if we understand the gospel, you know, it's not just about justification. It's also about sanctification and glorification. What is glorification? It really is the transformation when we are raptured or resurrected into a new body, a body that's free of the sin nature, a body that has, you know, as the Lord says in Revelation, there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain. We are going to be transformed, and we probably undersell the value of Christian salvation. As we talk about being free from hell, but we don't talk about the joys of heaven. We have this false idea of playing harp, sitting on cloud nine. Right. So boring. Yeah, it's boring. that's what heaven heaven is like, I want to stay here a little excitement, right? right? But that's not what heaven is like. That's not what it's like. And so Paul says, I have not seen nor ear heard those things that God has in store for those that love him. There's a lot of great things to talk about. I'm thinking about the resurrection body when Jesus suddenly appeared in the room. Where did he come from? Did he come through the chimneys? No chimney. Did he break the door? No, the doors. How does that happen? And he's supposed to be the first fruits of those who have slept. We're going to be like that. That's right. We're going to be like that. So I like to think in terms of you want to be like Superman? You want to be able to do those things? That's a picture of what we're going to be like. We don't sell that enough, and that's really part of the salvation that we need to be talking about. In Jesus' post-resurrection appearances, they give us that picture of what it is going to be like for us. You're so right, and I know as I read the Bible, I've been in ministry, I don't know, 50-plus years. You know what people are looking for? We've got much better, much more exciting things that I trust in the Word of God. And when a person believes on Jesus Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, that's still true. And I've been in different countries. When people hear the good news, they're so excited. The terrorists put down their AK-47s. The prostitutes, they get straight. The homosexuals get straight. This is life transforming. So, friends, do you know Jesus as personal Savior? He wants to save you. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life that will be far more exciting than any of this stuff. Douglas, thank you so much. It's always a great blessing to be with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoy being with you. Transforming Humanity into Gods by S. Douglas Woodward. This is really exciting stuff, but always keep in mind what the Bible tells us about Jesus, about his plan for you and for me. 
While the topic of transhumanism and the study of the Nephilim is energetically pursued by a number of authors today, only Doug Woodward has provided the historical roots of the conspiracy from 19th century America. In the DVD, Transforming Humanity into Gods, Doug Woodward shows what the rich and powerful have plotted to accomplish over the past two centuries. The story does have a happy ending, though. In a juxtaposition to the gods of the Luciferian conspiracy, Woodward concludes with the biblical doctrine of the exalted destiny of believers in Jesus Christ. Order this powerful DVD, Transforming Humans into Gods, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com. The story reflects today's most popular science fiction movies, but could it be fact rather than fiction? Order Transforming Humans into Gods DVD today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. It's time for the Bible in the News Report. Today, Marvin McIlvaney looks at the fear that is associated with global warming. Everybody wonders when the end of the world will happen. In Matthew 24, we read, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? Jesus gave them an answer, and ever since, people have been predicting when that will occur. There have been over 200 recorded predictions of the end, ever since Jesus said the end was going to happen. Here are some examples. In 66 AD, Simon Bar-Giora saw the Jewish uprising against the Romans in Judea as the final end-time battle which would bring about the arrival of the Messiah. In 375 AD, Martin of Tours, a French bishop, stated that the world would end before 400 AD. He wrote, There is no doubt that the Antichrist has already been born, firmly established already in his early years. He will, after reaching maturity, achieve supreme power. In 1600 AD, Martin Luther, a German priest and professor of theology, known for starting the Protestant Reformation, predicted the end of the world would occur no later than 1600 AD. In 1914, Charles Taze Russell, who founded the Jehovah Witnesses, said, The date is definitely marked in Scripture as October 1914. In 1936, Herbert W. Armstrong, the founder of the Worldwide Church of God, told members of his church that the rapture was going to take place in 1936 and that only they would be saved. After the prophecy failed, he changed the date three more times. This is just a short list of the over 300 people who predicted the end of the world. I won't bother to mention people like Edgar Cayce, Louis Farrakhan, Harold Camping, Gene Dixon, or even Rasputin and Charles Manson. But I definitely think we should add former Vice President Al Gore to this distinguished list. Like many doomsday sayers before him, Al Gore's predictions of impending disaster have fallen somewhat short of the mark. It's a good thing he was wrong, too, because I was worried we might not be around in 2022, given the alarms he was sounding in the 2006 film titled An Inconvenient Truth. I'm sure most of you remember this shockumentary. It won both a Best Documentary and Best Original Song Academy Award, 
and grossed nearly $50 million worldwide. A British truck driver filed a lawsuit to prevent the airing of Gore's alarmist flick in England's public schools. This is what the English court ruled, and I quote, In order for the film to be shown, the government must first amend their guidance notes to teachers to make it clear that, number one, the film is a political work and promotes only one side of the argument. Number two, if teachers present the film without making this plain, they may be guilty of political indoctrination. And number three, 11 inaccuracies have to be specifically drawn to the attention of school children. Close quote. Among those inaccuracies are, the film claims that melting snows on Mount Kilimanjaro is evidence of global warming. The government's expert witness was forced to admit that this is not correct. The film uses images of Hurricane Katrina and suggests that this has been caused by global warming. The government's expert witness had to admit that it was not possible to attribute one-off events to global warming. The film shows the drying up of Lake Chad and claims that this was caused by global warming. The government's expert witness had to admit that this was not the case. The film suggests that the Antarctic ice covering is melting. The evidence was that it is in fact increasing. That was just a few of the inaccuracies that were found by the British court. You won't hear that in the United States. And you probably haven't heard that extreme cold temperature records continue to tumble at the South Pole. Three recent days, November 16th, 17th, and 18th, have recorded daily records with the 18th plunging to 50 degrees below zero compared with 40 degrees below zero on the same day in 1987. The winter of 2020-2021 was the coldest winter since records began in 1957. We just cannot understand why all these facts and trends have escaped reporting in the mainstream media. Of course, it's been a very bad year for climate criers all around. Coral is growing on the Great Barrier Reef with a vengeance, just a few years after journalists and their experts warned it was likely to disappear. According to the latest satellite data, the global temperature hasn't moved for over eight years. A little extra carbon dioxide in the atmosphere has led to significant greening of the planet, a process that over the last 30 years has undoubtedly reduced world hunger and famine. A colony of daily penguins in western Antarctica, whose numbers were said to have fallen over 40 years from 20,000 to just 400, was due to climate change. Missing from the narrative was the more cheerful news that a colony of 1.5 million Adelie penguins had recently been discovered on the eastern side of the continent. The end is coming. Jesus said it would. We cannot pray away the Great Tribulation or anything the Bible says is going to happen. But the end will not be from polar ice caps melting. It won't be from too much or too little CO2 in the atmosphere. Why will these terrible events predicted in end-time prophecy come? Because of sin. Sin is destroying the perfect world that God created. Sin is the cause of suffering and death and destruction. Our culture of acceptance of sin is growing worse and worse. Read Paul's description of the toxic attitudes of the end times in 2 Timothy, and you will see a reflection of our society today. Once before, humanity as a whole approached the level of depravity we face today. And in love, 
Our Creator put most of humanity out of its misery in the flood. Jesus also tells us to watch and pray. We must watch our own lives and be doing things that God wants us to do. And even though we can't know the exact day or hour, we are also told to watch world events that help us see the signs of the end times. Since God has entrusted the earth to us, it is right for us to take care of this planet and do what we can to help the earth. So, the end is coming. But like the Bible says, and not like Al Gore says. Today's featured resource is Doug Woodward's powerful DVD, Transforming Humans into Gods. 1-800-652-1144 or order online swrc.com. Tomorrow, Steve Butler shares the next installment in our new teaching series, Why Explore Bible Prophecy? Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. Dot com.